Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. Very happy to announce that this week's guest is Patrick Klepik. You probably have read some of Patrick Klepik's work, whether it was at Kotaku or Giant Bomb or his uh, work over at Waypoint. Uh, he's written a lot about the Souls games uh, for a lot of years, so it was really interesting having him come on. Uh, we recorded this relatively recently, and uh, I wanted to get it out because uh, we do get into the Sekiro is it too hard kind of difficulty debate um we don't go too hard in it don't don't get me wrong we don't we don't spend a lot of time on it but we do talk about it uh but we do avoid pretty much anything uh outside of slight mechanics and Sekiro, so you don't have to worry about being spoiled uh thanks again to patrick for guesting i think this is a great episode so i will let you enjoy it What was your first experience with From Software as a as a game developer? Uh not knowing who they are, but like if you listed off a bunch of their game names, I'd be like, I yeah, I know Kingsfield. That's the hard first person action game from Japan, I guess. Um, I yeah, I did not really have a deep familiarity with uh, the studio. It's one of those things where, um, like, I knew what the Armored Core series was, but I didn't know from software um both as a function of you know being younger uh where i wasn't paying attention as much to that uh especially like at a younger age paying a lot more attention to publishers than you are developers also there's just been sort of a flip um you know these days where developers are like often front and center alongside or even uh more so than uh, the publishers so and, and then it's also the case that you know i think from software for a lot of people they may have been familiar with titles they worked on in retrospect, but it wasn't really until Souls and probably specifically Dark Souls came on the scene um, and, and went from sort of a culty thing to sort of ge- general phenom in, in video games. Um, and, and that's it really wasn't until Dark Souls and me sort of falling for Dark Souls and then sort of falling for From as a studio where I, I kind of came to, to really understand uh, From Software. But yeah, Shadow Tower, Kingsfield, Armored Core, Chrome Hounds. I've written about games long enough that you can probably find plenty of articles where I've written about from software without having any sense of who they really actually are. So yeah, from software kind of got their name on the maps with, as it were with dark souls one. Do you, since they've gotten that big, have you gone back and kind of seen the history of any of those games? I've wanted to uh, sort of like perpetually on my list of things that I'd like to sit down and do. And I've, you know, working with Austin Walker is also a big fan of the the Souls games, and and him specifically a fan of Armored Armored Core. Um, I, yeah, I've I've wanted to, I just haven't found the time, or rather, I guess more specifically, like haven't found like the angle that makes people interested in wanting to go that far far back. Um, sure. But it's it's definitely like on my list. I would love to see a little bit of. Um, you know, how much of what I respond to in Souls is institutional to From Software and how much of that is like very specifically like the team that uh, worked under Hidetaka Miyazaki and how much is like very specifically like what he brings to it. Like, I'd love to see what strains were, were just sort of like in the From Software DNA. And often when we say From Software DNA, we tend to most just be speaking about the Souls games because that's largely what they've been associated with. Um, post Demon Souls, but I mean that ignores that they were doing all sorts of things um, before Miyazaki was sort of an active creative influence. 
what what are the things in in Dark Souls specifically? Since I think that was the one that grabbed you uh, that you respond to out of the Soul series. Well, I, like to so me specifically, I maybe like a lot of people was uh, deeply dismissive of uh, those games. I know that when I I was a giant bomb when Demon Souls started as a thing, uh, sort of came out of the scene. I remember like GameSpot like being pretty like ahead of its ahead of the the curve and like giving that game game of the year um mm-hmm. at a time when the most uh sort of like the establishment media wasn't really talking uh about those games or dismissive in the sense that it was oh it's a you know part of these massacre uh sort of games these <laughs> games all about uh just being hard for the sake of being hard um which is deeply ironic uh that I would have that sort of response given sort of my position now on the, the notions of difficulty and from software games. But um, so I remember there's some like live stream where I played dark souls again. For, I can't remember what, why we, I can't remember the exact context, but I know that my uh, dark souls two was coming up. And one of the things that I like to do with giant bomb. And one of the things I was pressing myself personally was to, try and play and understand games that other people had an appreciation for that either I had been dismissive of or hadn't given enough time to truly understand uh, what was going on. So even if at the end of the day I decided this isn't for me, uh, I would I like to arrive at a point where, but I understand why it is for other people. Um, and so I had my... Uh, Dark Souls 2 is coming up. I was like, it's not just going to be Vinny. Like, I'm going to get in there. I want to be able to talk about Dark Souls <laughs> with him and, and and not just be just the thing that he's that, that he's the one talking about. And so my wife was out of town on some work trip. Um, she used to work in comics and was constantly handling the sort of like convention organizing. And so she was off somewhere. And so she was gone for like five days or something like that. And I was like, this is it. This is my opportunity. I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to play Dark Souls. And I think I streamed the vast majority of it. I'm pretty sure most of it's up on my uh, YouTube channel uh, at youtube.com slash Petra my now perpetually ignored YouTube <laughs> channel um, after my daughter was born. But um, and I like just totally fell for it. Like I got over the curve, which uh, pretty specifically I've written about and later came to understand happened once I took down uh, the two gargoyles on the way to the first bell in Dark Souls, which I know for a lot of people is a very common uh, sort of point where you either kind of run up to that and you, it just doesn't, you just, you just kind of throw up your hands like this isn't for me, which is fine. Um, or you get past that and go, my God, I, I now I see it. Like I understand what everyone is, why this, this series has driven so many people so mad for so long. Let's go on to the next one. Um, and, and that was it for me. I think I, I came to appreciate the climb of the mountain, the uh, understanding that the, relentless difficulty and the uh the di- the cycle of dying was not only just thematic to the story that that from software or Miyazaki is often interested in telling um but is part of the push and pull with the designer and the player and you know I, I after finishing that I had the sort of common sentiment that a lot of people have which is like wow I wish I could just zap my brain forget that ever happened and just do it all over again. Um, which, you know, now is the exciting part of watching what from software has done since then. Uh, basically, you know, soul dark souls to, or I guess demon souls to, to bloodborne to Sekiro as they've like found ways to tweak sort of like a baseline foundation and, and see if they can kind of recapture some of the magic that was there the first time around. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, 
I, I got to that point in Dark Souls um, originally. <clears throat> I actually got to the caster that's right before the gargoyles, and sure, was like, "Oh, I'm not supposed to be here right now. That guy's too tough for me." <laughs> and took off and ended up killing like Quaylog and ringing the second bell first, and kept looking oh, for holy these shit. like mysterious gargoyles that people told me that I was that was so hard. And then I got there, and of course, it's twenty hours later, and I've you know I've come to terms with the systems, and I'll just walk through them because it's an easy fight later on in the game, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> It's interesting how that game is so open that it allows you to do things like that. Because <clears throat> I was asking my friends, like, okay, I'm I'm in the swamp. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're good. Just keep going. You're on the right path. And I'm like, okay, this this all feels pretty bad, though. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the, been the kind of the amazing part of playing. Uh, so I'm fortunate enough uh, to, you know, often play these games ahead of release. I, I say fortunate. I think it's unfortunate. Like, the part of the fun of the Souls games is the community-based aspect and sharing it with a large group of people of like, well, how did you do this? Or did you find this? Um, and I think Sekiro uh, just allows so much uh, divergent paths for players to go down in a way that I would talk to people and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I didn't go anywhere. I don't know. What it, What are you even doing in that game? Um, and, and that part's really fun. I think that that is absolutely one of like, you know, a million things that people... Uh, like about this series that is you know further down the hierarchy but is is nonetheless pretty you know intrinsic to what what adds up to to you know what is or isn't souls since you were kind of playing this um and you mentioned that you were streaming and obviously you're playing it dark souls one kind of pretty far after release you mentioned dark souls 2 was about to come out uh were you leaning on that community were you looking up stuff in the wikis or were you trying to go in as blind as possible or were you like were you meeting a character and then like who the hell is this solaire character what's his story or are you just trying to experience that all within the game i mean generally speaking i have not really connected with the story and lore of the souls because i as like souls in you know despite how dismissive i was is my my the enjoyment i get out of it is directly related to sort of my favorite genre of platforming um, in which, like platformers like Mega Man, you know, etc., are very much, in a lot of ways, um, a lot like Souls, in which you are memorizing and dealing with a very specific, very specific difficult pattern, and then getting that down um, and and moving on. And so it's that for me has always been my general attraction to the series has been like that specific climbing of the mountain. And so when I was streaming it. I I wasn't really looking anything up. I basically once I missed past the gargoyles, I sort of like felt like, oh, I, I kind of get what is going on here. Like, oh, this isn't really that different than character action games I've played before. And I love character action games. And so um, you know, the the, the I definitely had a uh, push and pull with the uh the viewers in which it's like, okay, like where should I go in this direction in terms of like I don't understand what I should do with my stats or like, am I banging my head against a boss that I should just come back to? Sure. And I, I would take tips uh, like that. And, and I found it like deeply satisfying to stream that game. I think that's part of the reason these games are so popular um, as streams is because it's both deeply enjoyable uh, for the audience to watch someone climb up that mountain, especially if you've done it yourself. It's like so satisfying um, or, or it's satisfying to be both smug and encouraging of people who are trying to get to the point that you've already been. like. There is a little, I mean, like far and away, like I, you know, I cannot, do, you cannot divorce the the enjoyment of these games from like being able to mock your friends who are having a hard time or haven't quite gotten there yet. Like there is an ego part of of playing these games, which itself is tied up in 
the like ongoing discourse or difficulty and things like that. But um, yeah, I, I tried to avoid too many spoilers. I tried to go in as blind as possible as one could for a series that had been like so thoroughly examined up until that point. Um, and I actually ended up sort of kind of outright breaking the game because Dark Souls essentially in like the back half, if you, you know, I, as someone that came from, like, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to have a sword and I'm going to have a shield and I'm going to have like really heavy armor. And then I'm going to equip the rings that allow me to do the mid, uh, uh, mid roll. So it's not just like a real chunky big roll. It's like something where I can actually dodge out of the way. And at a certain point in that game with like a, some dark sword or whatever I have, like I was pretty overpowered. I had like mastered the power curve on that game <laughs> to like such a degree that it was like hard for some of the bosses to put up much of a fight. And I think the games have gotten better about, uh, preventing you from 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 doing that as much, um, but that was also part of the fun. It was like three fourths of the game, people were like, "The boo, this isn't fair!" Like <laughs> you're not having as hard a time as I did when I played this game. You're not suffering as much as I did. You need to suffer more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, like no more uh, was that true then. And this is before I kind of like hurt the power curve on the game. But I, I remember uh, one of my my favorite moments is so. Uh, you know, I'm sure people know this on listen to your podcast, but you know, one shotting a boss, you know, the idea of like just walking in, taking it out on your first try is like a very rare occurrence and but is like deeply satisfying to just like fuck it. Like I'm just gonna come in here and take this thing down. And I uh I still claim to this day that I one shotted ONS in Dark Souls because what happened was that I walked in, went, Oh God, what is this? And then just immediately got hit and died. Uh, like, can't really claim that like I put up a fight or tried to study the move set. It was just like deeply overwhelmed that the game would even throw two of these characters at me. And then I went in a second time and took them out, um, which I still claim may may not technically be the definition of one shotting, but uh, in my in my heart, uh, in my mind, I, I continue to advocate for the position that it was a one shot. And people were so mad. Um, that I did that because like, I spent I spent four days on this sure, fight. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that you did. No, be better. It's just doing it after the second time you walk in that room. But you know, hey, you do you. I'll uh, I'll put a poll up uh, when this podcast goes up, and we'll let the we'll let the listeners vote <laughs> <laughs> whether or not it's a real one shot or not. <laughs> Absolutely, all, all of my listeners are extremely good people. No, nobody really <clears throat> is kind of pedantic like that about stuff. I don't think, but. Uh, it's 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 interesting because uh, you, you talk about that that power curve at the back end of Dark Souls One, and I think that's something that's so great about that game is it stays tough. But if you luck into good weapons or you have the knowledge of the weapons that you're picking, you can pretty much break it over your knee, right? Like it's it's it becomes relatively simple, and that's something that the later games have gotten away from. Like it's much harder to do that in Sekiro, or it's much harder to do that in, in Bloodborne. You still can. I mean, you can go chalice dive it in Bloodborne and get just about any kind of gem set up that you want and walk through bosses all day long. Um, but Dark Souls especially, I think that's part of the reason people like it because they struggle with it so much. And then when they wrap around to the beginning again, whether it's New Game Plus or a totally different build, they it's it's freeing. Like that the six hours that it took them to get through the undead burg all of a sudden takes twenty minutes and it's like, oh wow, I am I am a better I hate to say the word gamer in this context, but I'm a, I'm a I'm a more skilled player at right now. And I've I f- the game has made me feel good about myself to do that. I remember when I uh, went back to Demon Souls. Uh, so I, the order I played was Dark Souls, Dark Souls Two, and then before Dark Souls, Dark Souls Two, 
And then before, was it before Bloodborne came out? I can't remember if I played Demon Souls before Bloodborne came out or before Dark Souls 3 came out. But I went back and was just like, I should go back and like check out, you know, the the, the originator on this. And because and, I know that for a lot of people, as much as they like Dark Souls and, and any of the games that have come forward, that there are people who like continue to bang the drum that Demon Souls is both the first and best one. Um, and I chose with Demon Souls to be the a game where uh, I was going to experiment with magic, which immediately generated like the hugest eye rolls from like people who were watching <laughs> me stream it because they were like, "You son of a bitch!" Like that's like the most broken magic system in all of the Souls games. Like magic has always been like 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 Dark Souls. It's broken and like demons and dark. I can't remember how it works in Dark Souls 2 because I didn't I beat that, but I didn't particularly care for Dark Souls 2. And in Bloodborne, it's like nerfed to the point of not being particularly interesting outside of PvP. Um, but I just like rolled through Demon Souls, just throwing magic all around. And it was like deeply satisfying because I was mostly like I didn't have anything to prove at that point. It's like, oh, I can beat these games. Like this one I'm here mostly to like see the environments, like see the mechanics that are different. Um I mostly wanted to like do the closest to a tourist version of uh, the game as possible. Um, and I mean, folks were so they were so mad that the magic was broken and I was using it. I was playing the game as described. Um, and I'm sure if there's a remaster of that game, I am so curious to see if they decide to touch any of that stuff or if you is is the 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 DNA of Demon Souls that you got to keep that broken magic or do you go in there and try and try and fix it. Um, if, if you even determine if you even determine that to be fixing yeah that's a that's a common topic of you know people number one people craving that demon souls remastered just to get it on a new platform but number two like would you go back and like explain character tendency and world tendency and make that a little bit more visible to the player or would you fix right duplic- duplication bugs and things like that like uh and to me like my thought on it is just literally plop it on the ps4 like as is warts and all and let that let it live uh because i think if you took away some of that stuff like it takes away from the experience of that game and that's the, that's the good part like it's not it's not that it's some great challenge that everybody has to rise to it's that hey you can still have these weird broken fun times in this from software game if you want to yeah i'm with you i, I think if you, i mean i think you could probably do in some ways do both which is like a, a better explanation of what world tendency is would be cool but also, like, leave the broken magic alone. Like, the magic's broken. Fine. Let people yeah. let people break the game if if they want to. And by all accounts, from software doesn't even in Sekiro. I would argue they have put in game breaking tools like the firecrackers. It's like if you want to, like, you can you have an item that just auto interrupts almost every attack in the game, opening them up for free hits. So it's like you know, I mean, the amount of tools you get in a game like Sekiro at a certain point, like they've basically given you a different version of in so, you could argue the pure version of this game is to use none of those tools and is actually just to do attacks and counters um, in order to progress. But you know that is that is you know clearly not the case. Nor <laughs> it's also the pure version to. of the game not to upgrade your attack power or upgrade your health and right, vitality. Exactly. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you mentioned um, PvP, and since we're on the Demon Souls topic, uh, I, w- I wanted to mention this story because uh, I remember a time when you were streaming Demon Souls and getting uh, kind of serially invaded by the same troll guy. Yeah, um, yes, yes, I, yes, I think yes, I still yes. have a GIF on a computer somewhere of you literally pulling the cord <laughs> because the guy had made you so mad, which is it was t- totally understandable. Like I'm not trying to roast you for that or anything, but um, I want to no, talk. It was great. I wrote a, I, I wrote a piece about that for Kotaku at the time. Um, I cannot remember. Um, the monster's name, but uh, I was yes, I was getting serially in, 
hit with invasions from potato potato something yeah it was something oh. like that i can't i can't remember what it was i'm gonna i i this has got to be just a ghoul's kotaku demon souls i'm just gonna guess potato and then we'll see we'll see what, what comes up uh yeah there it is potato marshall yeah so if you look up if you want to read the about this the demon souls uh troll that made me uh, rage quit um yeah this was someone who had been continuing to sort of like there weren't a lot of people playing uh, Demon Souls at the time that I was streaming it. Um, and so it's like not... Oh, in preparation for Bloodborne. Okay, now we, we have established in my head the timeline that no one else cares about, but now I know when I play Demon Souls. <laughs> um, and it was uh, like a really unique part of that. Because again, all, I often play these games ahead of release in which there's not a lot of players populating the servers. Um, games like you know we it's funny to talk about the the accessibility stuff because from software themselves have gotten away from different things that could that like really disrupted like the player experience like in Sekiro like not only are there no summons there's no invasions but even in Bloodborne there were no invasions unless you opened up the game for summons but you could just do that right outside of a boss door which meant you were never actually opening yourself to invasions all that often you actually had to artificially increase the difficulty yourself and be like cool i'm oh i want invasions to happen whereas uh demons dark and dark two uh all were very much like nah like part of the player experience is supposed to be that some of this happens although just you can play in an offline mode so th- again there are all these little things you can do along the way um and so yeah that i i like you know secretly loved the the fact that potato marshall uh was just completely completely destroying me uh over and over again because it made for like just a really fun uh u- unique weird experience that uh lo- really came to define part of what i found so enjoyable about that game specifically so it's it's funny because around this time i was um <clears throat> my my entry point into the overall dark souls community was rather negative i would, i was real big into evading and and doing stuff like that and then because it was on Xbox Live and because, you know, anybody who plays games are terrible people, apparently, I would get all of these, like, hateful messages sent my way. So I started a Tumblr uh, where I was cataloging all of this stuff, and then more people started sending me their Dark Souls hate mail. And then uh, I was watching your stream, and then, like, people were messaging me on Tumblr being like, is this you? Are you torturing Patrick Klepek right now? And I'm like, no, man, <laughs> I'm just watching the stream. I'm not this bad. I'm not scraping Spear bad. I'm not that guy. So we should, yeah, we should explain, because um, I'd actually forgotten this, but I started scrolling through the piece. Like, part of what uh, what got me to, to, to snap was that... Um, he was using something called the scraping spear, which is just, it's what a ingeniously mean, cruel uh, thing to put into the game that I love at the same time. But the scraping spear um, is a, an item you can equip that degrades the, and can break uh, your equipment. Now you can repair it. It's not going to like make it permanently, you know, gone from your inventory, but um, you know, without it, you know, you're, you're incredibly weak uh, by comparison. And so this person would come in not to kill me. He would just come in, poke me with the spear, know that I was going <laughs> to kill him. But then he also knew, they also knew, I, I should not assume uh, gender on, on this, this, this demon soul troll, um, would uh, knew that I would then have to go spend a bunch of, you know, currency to go repair it. I'd have to go back to set that up and they would just come in and do that uh, over uh, and over again. And it, you know, I just, 
more of a deep found respect at this point for Potato Marshall. I've always wished (laughs) that Potato Marshall would have come out and like confessed their sins to me. I would like to have a conversation with them, but it it never happened. And so Potato Marshall is still out there, hopefully fucking with people. But, uh, you know, no, no, nothing like a scraping spear in any of the games after that, for sure. Now I have the idea to, um, to try to reach out to Potato Marshall on like his PS3 messages and see if he'll come on the podcast. Hell yeah, it. do it. <laughs> that would actually be really fun. Yeah, the, the stuff that they've done to encourage outright trolling in these games is, is really hilarious to me. Like, you you know, uh, just the scraping spear, the the sword that would knock people off cliffs, all of the stuff that knocked people off cliffs and just the, you know, turn into an object from the game and hang out and let somebody walk past you and then shoot them in the back. Things like that is always super interesting to me because it, it encourages this kind of like playground approach to what normally is like very strict and regimented rules of PVP. Like most of the PVP stuff that I knew about before dark souls was all like shooters, first person shooters, which had, Hey, you're going to pick up the gun. You're going to shoot the guy. You're, we're going to rack up kills. We're going to capture the point, whatever. Whereas this allowed me to go in and, and kind of act like an asshole, like or block somebody's path. Um, and it's interesting to me that they've kind of gotten away from that over the years. And I wonder if that's just because that there's uh, an aspect or a segment of the community that that PVP side brings out that's rather negative compared to the single player side, which inspires this crazy community of Twitch streamers and YouTube lore theorists and podcasters and all those other things. I don't I don't really know if from software pays attention to that stuff, but it kind of like looking at the game's history from Demons to Sekiro it kind of feels like they do. Yeah, and as someone that has sort of been a beat reporter on these games ever since I turned a corner on them, I don't, you know, this is just me theorizing on on, on part of it. I, I don't think it's as simple as um, just trying to give the player more control or, like, trying to ease the chaos. Um, if you've played these games, uh, you know, regularly, you also know, like, how rampant cheating is oh, yeah. uh, among them, like, both, especially on PC. It's absolutely the worst on PC, because things are just easier there uh, to manipulate, but it is also true on, on consoles that it's been, you know, easy to um, screw with people's games with manipulated characters that can both screw up the actual game that you're in, um, or, like, on the PC for a while, I believe this was Dark Souls 3, where, like, people would come in with corrupted characters and then like both players would end up getting banned from playing online. Yeah. Like Dark Souls, like the Souls games in the past have done, uh, they have like the equivalent of shadow banning. So basically you aren't not allowed to play online, but you're only allowed to play online with other cheaters, which usually means the cheaters have moved on to d- different accounts and aren't, aren't, aren't going on anymore. So I do wonder if to some degree, because the cheating and exploitation has been so rampant in previous games that if maybe that influenced to some degree why they threw up their hands and said you know what they did in Sekiro which was actually what if none of this um, <laughs> yeah, what if we don't have to bother like supporting this thing as for that kind of level of detail for for years after we release it like what if we just bummer, had a game? I, 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 I miss that even though as someone that lar- did never participate in PvP I've never found that part interesting in the Souls games um but that, those were huge parts of like the keeping the community alive in the months and years afterwards. Um, I mean, every year, you know, in the Souls communities, they have uh, an anniversary where everyone jumps in and plays online so you can repopulate the servers. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess not true for Demon Souls because those are just straight up turned off at this point. But oh, it the still happens. Games, there's, there's privately run Demon Souls servers you can join now. Yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, 
you know, Sekiro is like, I guess, in some ways, a logical conclusion of an arc where they've been going with the pairing down of the like player to player messing around and, and and screwing with other people's games. But I hope they get back to that in some degree and actually run in completely the opposite direction. I would love for them to find a way to mash up players more um, and, and make that uh, not necessarily core to the experience, but like a, you know, a more interwound uh, part of it would be just a really interesting way for, for them to go in the future. The, the Dark Souls Battle Royale mod that we didn't know, did not realize we were waiting Honestly, for. Honestly, <laughs> you know, if front of made a Battle Royale game, you trying to act like you wouldn't play it? Oh, I'd would. Be, no, I'd be right there, man. Like, give me, I, I found the Moonlight <laughs> Greatsword. I'm going in first. Let's do this. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I got the OP magic. Great. Yeah, I picked up the catalyst. I'm ready to go. Let's rock. Let's rock. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted, since they released the DLC for Dark Souls 1 and they put in that um, arena mode, which hardly anybody used because it was kind of esoteric about how to connect to other players. Uh, yeah. I've always wanted that like team-based battle because I felt like, especially with Dark Souls, uh, not so much with Bloodborne, but you had that kind of classic D&D setup. You could do healers, you could do you know warriors, or you could do thieves or, or, or whatever, thieves. And it's, I've always wanted that, but I don't, I just... You know, I don't know. I don't know how that works out into a game at all, especially in 2019. So it'd be interesting to, you know, it'd be interesting. It's and it's it's like especially like I in some ways like it's given that Sekiro is like the closest they've made to like a pure fighting game. Like it's like the oddest of all of them to not have something where players could like let's say strip away all the, uh, you know, any of the upgrades and it's just sword and sword combat. Like I think that would be like really compelling even just to watch. And so. I don't know. It's it, it is one of those things that is it is odd, especially in light of Sekiro and the way the combat is set up that they have gotten away from from players interacting with each other. But I mean, at this point, you have to there's a very clear sort of arc over time of of where they've gone to strip away that stuff. Yeah, it's it's from software is a, a really interesting development studio because you can see the the history for what they're doing now from for so long ago. And then you see them. Like you, you, you see Bloodborne come out, and it's got a healing system where you have to go and kind of grind out vials as your basic healing Ugh. item. And you're get like, rid of that shit. I yeah, hate and you're it. like, why did that never change? Like, what were the design decisions to that went into when you you had the perfect healing system in Dark Souls One? Like, why? And then yep. you made it even better in Dark Souls Two. And then this, like, what happened? <laughs> like, I'm so curious about things like that and why they never decided and, to. And Sekiro it. still has some of that stuff, right? Oh yeah, so it's absolutely. Like they, it's not on the not on the healing, but on. Uh, uh, the spirit emblems was just like, okay, so you want me to use the spirit emblems, so I'm going to fight this boss, and I'm going to use the spirit emblem. Like, look, you've made tools very important core to, like, a core accessory to the combat, in addition to the to the, the, uh, to the attacking, uh, blocking, parrying, but then I'm punished for using them, because maybe I have to fight a boss for three and a half hours to to get its movement down, and then I've lost all my spirit emblems along the way. Well, now I got to go grind for money, which is not particularly easy to do with Sakura. It's but it's like clearly his choice, right? Like they they like it's not like oh this is a thing we're doing differently here. It's like nah, like we have played around with health systems and uh, uh, so like one time use items in, in various various ways, and it's just you know you know and that's they, they that's do things they that I love to. and yeah exactly. <laughs> it's it's fascinating to me because. Um, at, 
with the, all of the, the conversation around difficulty that's been coming up since Sekiro was released, uh, the same kind of conversation happened around Bloodborne. Uh, when Bloodborne was released, you know, even today, like you go through the quote unquote story chalices and you get to a dungeon that halves your health and the enemies have an enormous health bar and it takes forever to kill them. And you can, you know, you have to be kind of on point for seven to 10 minutes straight to do it. And I don't know, man, like I just, I, I, this, this is obviously the thing that they want to make. And I, that's fine, but also like they have to know that they're losing people along the way, and to have not for a game developer to be, and and I, I've I've called this brave in the past, but they're they're very clearly brave about hiding content, right? Like in Bloodborne, you can miss mm-hmm. all of Kanehurst Castle, and that's something that you don't see from a lot of AAA games because AAA games are like we spent zillions, <laughs> so many man hours. Yeah. Please look at all of the content, and and from software just doesn't seem to engage with their audience in that way, which is which is really fascinating to me. Yeah, no, uh, you know, and that's, you know, certainly absent from this conversation about, uh, you know, the difficulty is largely from software. Um, you know, they have made comments in the past about their intentions. And in, um, I, there was a tweet actually from last week in which uh, someone that works over PlayStation now, a, a friend of mine who uh, used to work at one up in EGM, Shane Bettenhausen, he now works in um, sort of like developer relations and signing independent games to to PlayStation. Uh, he mentioned like having a conversation with from software around the time that demon souls was being localized and saying like, Hey, what if you guys like put in a, you know, a mode that made it like more approachable for more people. And I think the quote he gave, he was given was you fundamentally misunderstand our game. <laughs> um, and I, I'm sympathetic to the argument that, that at the time that demon souls came around by, by making it very core and sort of, pure for whatever that means but like there's a very specific vision that is given off by like this is what it is it is and you know take it or leave it um that that was allowed people to engage with it on those terms but you know where we're at now in 2019 is just like these are cultural phenomenons like these are not niche like played by a couple thousand people video games like these are blockbusters these are triple a video games um that uh you know they could ch- you know they could choose to do whatever they want. Like I think that's what was lost in this conversation. It's like I'm not saying from software has to do this. I'm saying it would more people could enjoy these games were they to do this, and that uh, at some point it is not it is uh, is not ignorance. It is sort of like a choice to say I just don't want these people to play these games. I do not want them to engage with what I've made, and you know that's a choice. It's one that I sort of like fundamentally disagree with because I just don't think that if someone turns on infinite blocking in Sekiro so that they don't have to worry so much about a an attack that they haven't been able to counter, like if they beat the boss that way, like good for them. Like I, I can still beat the boss, you know, lots of people playing different difficulties, but I, you know, you cannot remove people's ego from... Uh, what they personally feel like they get from these games from the way this kind of like discussion plays out. Um, because for some reason people want to feel like they're better than other people. And it is often wrapped up in the, well, you're going to destroy the creative vision. Um, and what's been interesting to watch over the you know past couple of weeks is what is different developers uh, sort of publicly say, I make challenging games and haven't really given this much thought and I'm going to give it more thought in the future. Um, or the designer behind Celeste, you know, a very difficult platform where saying like, I tuned the game how I wanted to tune it. 
and then I put in some stuff in there so people could break it. And why can't, why not both? Um, and I, and I think that's like a, I think that's fine. Absolutely. And I, the, the gatekeeping side of this is, is really difficult for me because for every, I think like for every person out there screaming, get good or, uh, whatever the recent meme going around is, you know, you cheated yourself out of whatever, uh, I, you know, there, there's, there are people out there who are like, yeah, I want this game exactly the way it is. And I don't care about any of the difficulty in it. And I, and it works for me and I'm happy with it. And that's also fine, but it, it's kind of like, can we ask from software to do better? Like, Hey man, like, you know, this is, you're, you're this big now. Like, as you mentioned, like these are, you're not releasing Kingsfield to a pretty indifferent PS2 audience. <laughs> sorry, sorry, right. Kingsfield stands. I know you're out there, but I just, <laughs> Um, but I, I think there's something to be said for asking these game developers of like, you know, like, uh, was it Activision? They got taken to task for Spyro, the remaster, not having any subtitle options at all. Right. And like that right. feels really justified. Like, no, this is 2019. Like there, a large part of your audience could have problems hearing or may just not want the sound on in your game. Like who knows what that is? Put subtitles in. So I, 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 I've kind of go back and forth on this conversation quite a bit. And it's been, it's been interesting watching the conversation unfold on Twitter. And I, I don't know. Like as as somebody who did spend four and a half hours in the last bought of Sekiro, like I, is that really as a thirty something year old guy with a real job and a family? Like is that really something that I should be doing with my time? <laughs> like, Hell yeah. <laughs> well, one hand, I like I don't. I would not. I, you know, hopefully, uh, it's clear. Like that. Yeah, I I want to do that. Like I mm-hmm. get something deeply satisfying from the knowledge that something has been finely tuned to the degree where like I can conquer it. I, at the moment, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to do that, but I've done it before. I should be able to do it again. I trust that from software isn't deceiving me here. And that if I just stick with it, if I'm careful, if I persevere, I can get over that. And like, I guess the, the thing is here is like both can be, both can be true. You can have all of that. And that the person who really likes the story and the lore could like tune a lot of that other stuff down and just focus on reading item descriptions and exploring the environment and, and things like that. Because I think the alternative of, Oh, what just watch a, a video that summarizes it. Well, like you're now mischaracterizing how stories are told in these games, which is often mysterious and a puzzle box. And so reading or watching a 20 minute video that explains the lore is a lot less satisfying than trying to put that together yourself. Sure. <clears throat> but that's obviously like uh, when dark souls one came out, like that was right around the time that these like gaming centric YouTube sites were starting to blow up. And then mm-hmm. that that's a huge part of the reason that dark souls is so popular. Like I've, I've interviewed people in the podcast who have barely played the games, but are, are in such, and so much in love with the story or with the art or whatever that they go on to like create their own fan pieces or fan fiction or, or whatever. And that's, that's hugely inspirational. And I, I have to ask myself, like as a, one of those people who, just is not going to sit down and grind through Bloodborne on their own, you know, still gets to experience all that stuff. And that's fine. <laughs> like, I think that's what it comes down to is like, nobody is trying to be a prescriptiveness about how people experience games, except when you literally cannot change the game and you kind of just have to take it on as what it is when it comes out. Um, I, w- I want to get away from the difficulty conversation. Cause I can, yeah, I can, ar- I can yeah. already feel like my, my listeners are like, okay, Jeremy, speed it up. Uh, yep. Talk to me about the transition between, Dark Souls and then Bloodborne and then now uh, Sekiro because obviously you're taking a 
you know, three totally different settings, three kind of di- very different combat styles. I mean, Bloodborne from Dark Souls isn't a huge change, but it is a, a leaning towards the direction of, of Sekiro that we've, we've now seen. How did you gel with Bloodborne and the kind of changes to a more action-focused mechanics? Uh, I adore Bloodborne. Um, I am good. Uh, you were, I, you so you've passed. Desperate. This was the test. <laughs> yeah, uh, I am so desperate for them. I would love to see them return to that world and that like specific setup of combat. I, I like Sekiro a lot, and I'm really in, in in enjoying the game quite a bit. But if like of like these sort of like trilogy of worlds that they have created, like both aesthetically, the one I responded to the most was Bloodborne. Um, you know, especially as a, a horror fan. Um, like the whole sort of like Cthulhu and like just weird darkness that was all uh, all over Bloodborne was like just very much um, my shit. And like the combination of uh, aggressiveness uh, or, or just really like the aggressive nature of the combat in uh, Bloodborne combined with your ability to kind of like dodge and, and roll and move around of Dark Souls um was kind of like my sweet spot of how i like this style of combat like i'm enjoying what sakura was asking me to do um and if 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 you know passes prologue like what's what from does in the future will probably be some melding of all the things they've done before just tugging in extremes in different directions um i, I yeah bloodborne is is absolutely the one that i i have fallen for hardest and i've i'm excited to get like maybe like another year away from it and then like to play it again. Cause I'll have forgotten like 75% of what's going on <laughs> in the, in that game. Um, and that's the closest I can get to having that experience um, all over again. Um, and yeah, so like bloodborne is absolutely the one that like, I think everyone has one. They like kind of is like, not just like first, but is like several tiers above whatever is below it. Uh, for them and that just kind of depends on what your like personal aesthetic maybe where you came into the series um or if the specific style of combat like just gelled a little bit more with what you're looking for um and for me like the like the the, the guns we just, uh, everything about bloodborne like that's the that's the one that, that clicked for me and you work in the games industry and um one of the best things about bloodborne in my mind was that sony treated the kind of <clears throat> advertising of that game and the, the the lead up to the release of that game with a lot of respect and just didn't show you a lot of stuff at the back end. Um, so when people hit that ROM moment and it changes from, oh, I thought this was a werewolf game <laughs> to what the hell is going on? Like, who are these weird aliens in this forest? Uh, were, had you been spoiled on that? Did you know about that going in? Or was that just as kind of eye-opening to you as it was for me? No, so, I, you know, again, because I played these games before... Uh, most people are i'm mm-hmm. often on my own or in like a small group of writers like on a text message chain being like all right we don't have reddit threads to go to so <laughs> let's all just share what we're seeing and 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 even more specifically usually you don't want to talk to other critics because you're trying to like limit what you're hearing from other people as you're trying to kind of fall on your own response to to a game and so it may just be that you're talking to if you're lucky you like at kotaku we got two codes for bloodborne so it's like me and kirk hamilton talking to one another and trying to preserve the secrets for each other but also helping each other along the way and i i on uh, on certain days i will hold up the bagman moment in bloodborne yeah. as like the best moment in a video game ever like i think i can make a convincing argument for that because 
I remember the moment I fell to one of them and then woke up in a different area. Like I put the controller down. I was like <laughs> screaming around my room. I like texted Kirk Hamilton and was like in the vaguest way possible was like, what the did you what is going on in this game? Um, and even when, you know, I'm when I finally kind of, you know, like escaped and like found those enemies that now populated the world again they were just like ah just so creepy and weird to 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 deal with and difficult and it's just ah just what a yeah i'm look right here i'm convincing myself it's the the best moment i've ever personally experienced in a video game if not one it's in my my top three um it's just a really really and yeah i i was in the dark on the turn that happens in the latter half of that game um you know there's that obviously that moment early on where you can get picked up and killed by just like a weird hand hovering in the sky. It's like the f- what? What? <laughs> and then of course I just you come wanted back a top hat, and now you're going to treat me like this. Right. I cannot believe this. <laughs> exactly. And then finding out in the second half that that's you know that's you just needed to get enough knowledge in order to see what was around you is just uh mwah. just all all those things are um, part of why I loved uh, that game so much. If anything, part of it kind of got ruined for me because when I. So I beat the game and then started New Game Plus because I wanted to explore a little bit of it when I reviewed the game. And then when the DLC came out, it's like, oh no, I'm playing on New Game Plus and now I have to play on some DLC that is already tuned to be significantly harder than the main game. And so I still enjoyed the old Hunters, but I was not able to enjoy the skill arc in the way that I was probably supposed to because I was playing on a difficulty mode that was already... um, (laughs) <laughs> meant to kick my ass more than I was personally prepared for. That um that that thing that you mentioned where you were on a like a text thread with your friends or with your uh coworkers and you're trying not to spoil things but ask them questions at the same time is some of my favorite mm-hmm. from software new game shit ever. Like we've got I've got a Discord server for the podcast and Discord server put spoiler tags in recently so like you could go oh, into the secure so good. <laughs> you could go into the secure channel and it's like it's a CIA file about Trump's taxes or some shit like it's insane. <laughs> you just can't you can't like you have to click on and like it's but it's people saying like hey don't read this if you're not past, you know, this part of the game and then like asking questions and talking back and forth and trying to unravel these mysteries or just directly asking like hey, I'm lost. I don't know where to go. Like give me Give me the three word of advice, you know, oh, go to the old grave idol, explore there. Okay, thank you. That's all I need to know. Like that kind of thing. And it's just, it happened with Bloodborne, that kidnapping moment happened. Like I had friends going like, did something weird happen to you? And I'm like, I don't don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea. (laughs) It's so good. Those those moments are, are the kind of things that I cherish, and I think that that's like that's the most uh, schoolyard talking about Zelda. You know, you can you can unlock you know Luigi at wherever and and, and Mario sixty four. Like that's the moments that I, I get that that kind of value out of those games, and it's so much fun. And they and they still manage to to do that stuff. Like the you know uh, they had not communicated with uh, with Sekiro the like the equivalent of the. Uh, invisible walls um you know the you know previous games we could like whack a wall and it opens up and you you know find a a chest or something like that and um when i was playing the game alongside austin walker uh he had gotten much further in the game than me but i remember pointing out to him like i sent him a short video i was like dude what the fuck like i just climbed up against this wall and it flipped (laughs) me into a different room and i got a prayer bead which like hell yeah yeah what are you talking about (laughs) he was like oh my god i need to like comb through the entire game again because there's probably nine different uh 
spots where there's one of these that I that I haven't seen, and it's like the, it's amazing their ability to still pull off moments like that, despite the fact that they are dealing with people who have put in thousands, tens of thousands of hours into these games, um, and should be well versed on their tricks, and yet they they still find ways to do it. Yeah, that's something that um, from software never fails at, which is surprising your surprising their audience. Like there's moments in Sekiro when I was. Um, like there's one particular boss and I don't, the game is still relatively fresh. So I don't, I won't name names or anything for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's one particular boss that you get to that has a surprise phase too. And he just gets back up again and the most craziest way possible. Uh, and I just could not believe what I was seeing. And I was just like yelling at my TV, like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> what is this? And that's, you know, that, that moment of surprise is so good. And it's, I think that's, I think that's, it's worth everything that you do up to that point. And that's why the games are so resonant to, to everybody. I think it's absolutely true. What um what what do you now that Sekiro's out? Um, and obviously, I I think I could say that you're a pretty big From Software fan ever since you kind of got into the games mm-hmm. and you're, you're not following them. Like, what's your? I know Bloodborne two, um, and then probably like Bloodborne Cart. But what is your ideal <laughs> From Software game? Like, what do you want to see in the future from Miyazaki and his team? I mean, so it's it's difficult because um, uh, I often find that my desires run counter to what's best for me um i don't know that i would have said bloodborne is what i want after dark souls 2 and part of the reason bloodborne felt so special was because they cooked up something completely different that also felt familiar um and yes it's particular uh sort of aesthetic and and bits like really resonated with me but i also Sekiro isn't what I would have asked for them to do Bloodborne too, but like I'm happier that they made something pretty different and out of left field because that's ultimately if you were to distill, like take mechanics out of it, take how these games actually play. Like what is it about that originally resonated with people in Demon Souls was that it was something surprising. Um, And I think that's what from software has excelled in, in this particular style of game is surprising you in as many ways as as possible that can be story it can be mechanics it can be combat it can be um the environments it can be the layouts of those environments like there's just so much there that is about surprise and so yeah if you ask what i want is bloodborne 2 what i want is mecha souls and i still think that i still think they should make like a mecha souls type thing like i'd start to imagine like organic mecha beings and the kind of enemies they could create and the idea of you being able to like body swap you know different parts of your body to put on flamethrowers and whatever like this there's so much potential for them to do something there aesthetically and mechanically that i would be so excited to see them give that a shot um but you know realistically uh what I want is to continue to be surprised. And even if that means I like some of them less than others, I'll take the genuine surprise over like the arc of the souls games, right? Like I liked dark souls three in that I, if you turned soul, if you turned souls into Madden and I got one every year, with just a new set of bosses and environments, would I play that every year? Like, yeah. But what I actually want is to be surprised um and so i at this point tend to defer to them because they're clearly smarter than me (laughs) (laughs) at least about these things at least about making dark souls games (laughs) and and are willing to and they're willing to put themselves into 
to, to try and not necessarily reinvent the wheel, but to, to push themselves to do something that is different and potentially alienating to their audience, but trusting, hoping that what they've earned along the way is genuine trust from that audience to try and go out on a limb. And, and I think they have done that a couple of times now, and I'm, I'm anxious to see how they do that in the, in the future. And hopefully that also means, because they've, you know, they've been a very soul-centric uh, studio ever since Demon Souls. Like, what does that mean for other stuff that they do? Like, maybe it's not Mecha Souls, but like, what does it mean when From Software finally feels truly emboldened to do whatever the hell they want? Go do that in a Mecha game, even if that doesn't necessarily, you know, know analogize to being you know souls adjacent or anything like that or or look at Darasin or Darasin A uh, where yeah, you know, it's yeah, it's a yeah. weird like niche title I that... didn't even really like that much I enjoyed it <laughs> like but I don't know that I came out of it going like other people of that. <laughs> I think I specifically said like you don't really no like you don't like this is there's not a lot here it's interesting and it's especially fascinating in like the canon of From as a studio but I don't know that I particularly liked it mm-hmm. um but Again, I'm glad that they're making things that I don't like, if that makes sense. Because I, cons- I don't consider that game to be a failure in so much as I consider it to be them trying to do a more conventional story, which is not... Like uh, Miyazaki himself has said, part of the reason the Souls games have really esoteric uh, storylines is because he doesn't have the confidence to tell a straightforward narrative. And like that VR game is an attempt to tell a much more straightforward narrative. And that's part of the reason I don't think it works, but not most of the reason. Um, but again, I'm I'm glad that they're trying different things. Yeah. As um as someone who obviously plays a lot of games and deals with a lot of <clears throat> deals with a lot of games and the things that surround gaming as a conversation, do you feel like these games have changed you in either the way that you play games or approach games or talk about games? And this is just from from demons or from even you know Kingsfield Shadow Tower all the way to Sekiro like uh, what mm-hmm. do you feel like that's that's these games have had an effect on you at all? Yeah, I th- I think if like on, a, on like a much broader level, uh, I th- I think what my takeaway has been to not try as hard as you can to not judge prejudge something or to brush it away at first glance or even first impression. Um, no, that's not to say you. You can't not the, the takeaway from that should not be that you you can't not like things, right? Like you can definitely not like things, and that is totally fine for you to not like something and someone else to like that. But um, the sort of the, the dismissive attitude I had to these games, and then to flip over to oh wait, are these some of my favorite games of all time? Huh? Maybe the takeaway from that should be more than just oh I didn't like these, now I like them. It's more that. Uh, as we get older, it can be very easy to fall into ruts of only playing what we know we're going to like because it's easier. And like that makes a lot of sense when we have limited time, limited resources to invest in games. It takes mental, emotional energy to learn something new. Um, but part of my takeaway was uh, how satisfying it is to have that happen. Um, you know, I had a similar sort of transformation with strategy games after giving XCOM and Fire Emblem a shot and being like, oh, I'm not stupid. I just needed to find the strategy games that clicked for me. And it's not all just uh, hex-based World War II sims that uh, that's not the all the strategy genre has to offer. There are games that will work for me too. 
Um, and so that's that's really been a takeaway from my Souls experience has been getting more experimental with my playing habits and and realizing even though I've been playing games for you know 25 years that I still have a lot to learn and a lot more games that I could learn to love. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for uh, guesting on the podcast and talking with me today. I, I very much appreciate it. I know uh, the listeners out there do, too. Uh, tell them where you can be found on the Internet. Uh, you can find uh, me at Patrick Klepik on Twitter. Um, you can find my uh, most of my work these days. I, I used to be a lot more prolific in doing YouTube and, and Twitch and stuff like that. But, you know, blame my daughter. She takes up all my free time for that and then makes me exhausted by 10 p.m. And so... What's your daughter's at so we can we can harass her? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um you can you can you can you can yell at me at Patrick Hubbard, but you can uh, find all the work I do at waypoint.vice.com uh, that's where where most of the stuff I do uh, over uh, waypoint is and uh, I have a weekly podcast uh, with uh, waypoint waypoint radio we uh, have published Mondays and Wednesdays and then we also do weird shit like to, to analyze the mythology of kingdom hearts in a series we call war reasons so you know i wasn't, I have a I wasn't even gonna bring kingdom hearts up man but now now here we are you've got another couple of hours <laughs> in you. we can <laughs> we can do don't give up sora right now we can just make it happen if you want to get into it. <laughs> absolutely uh, well thank you so much for guesting i appreciate it everybody go check out patrick's work uh patrick i've been following waypoint um since it began really and i've been following you over at giant bomb since you joined and uh yeah man just everybody go check all that stuff out if you haven't already and thank you once again patrick thank you as always you can find me uh, on twitter at jg greer you can find the podcast at don't give up that website has links to uh, merch if you want to put a skelly on your belly it also has a link to a patreon if you want to support the show directly thank you to everybody who's been listening and uh, we'll be back next week with another great guest and until then remember don't give up skeleton and we're good cool man thank you very much this was awesome all right yeah not a problem if uh anything goes wrong with your uh, recording, just hit me up and I can send you my file. Awesome. Uh, my wife wanted to ask because she was yes. a huge Mario Maker's Mornings fan. Are we going to get a uh, return? Uh, Are we going to get a return with the Switch? Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. No.